If you have your Bible with you today, would you turn to Philippians, the book of Philippians, chapter four, We're gonna pick up on something that I feel like is really important and strategic for us as the people of God to embrace in the season and the day and the hour that we are living in as we continue in our series that I felt compelled to call Cancel Culture. And there was a couple things that I believe that the Lord really wanted to do in our hearts, in us, and through us, through this series. And one was to lead us to a greater place of boldness through greater dependency upon the Holy Spirit. The second was for us to begin to identify something that just is inevitable, it happens in, in each of our lives of faith where the things of this world, the cares of this world, the patterns, the beliefs, the culture of this world, if we're not careful, we could look up and realize that those things are beginning to influence us in a greater way than the word of God. That the culture around us can begin to influence us in a greater way than the kingdom within us. And so I hope you've been encouraged by some of these things. You know, cancel culture is this, if you're not familiar, and allow me the grace to just kind of catch us all up to speed, and especially because of the sensitivity of this topic and the fact that some people may be joining us for the first time today. It's this term that has been coined for this movement, this phenomenon that's going on in our society. This movement to, to minimize, intimidate, or eliminate differing opinions or beliefs, and in an increasing way, especially beliefs or statements related to family values and biblical morality. Now, hear me, it's important that I've said this every week, there, there are issues where there's a legitimate need for accountability, where accountability should be required, such as, as racism. That's an issue that we need to hold people to an account for. Unfortunately, though, the effort to silence, harass, intimidate has not stopped with an accountability for legitimate wrongs. It's extended to points of disagreement over politics, health decisions, family values, and especially concerning anything having to do with biblical morality. Again, and in this day and in this hour, in an increasing way, especially regarding gender and sexuality, you might say, well, Pastor T, why are you spending so much time mentioning that, it's because I look around the culture and I see that in previous generations, there were things that were entering in to our culture. There was a time where the divorce rate was very low and it began to increase to the rate where we have today. There was a time where drug addiction and abuse was very low and it began to increase to the degree that we have it today. And I look around at our generation, this time, this day, this hour, and I see this wave of confusion regarding gender and sexuality. And I believe that what, what God would have us to do, the Bible says that where the enemy comes in like a flood, he raises up a standard against the enemy. And I believe that he's calling us as people of God to love people who are dealing with confusion, to love people, but to be willing to speak the truth in love. And so, you know, here, I wanna say a few things about this. And here's one thing is that we're gonna always love every person. And every person is welcome to be part of this church family, but we're gonna point every person towards the holiness and the righteousness of Jesus Christ and the standard of God's word. So this is not about just one issue, there are a lot of issues. I have my own issues. And I hope that, that you will hold me to the account of the standard of God's word, not my preferences, opinions, or the culture of the day. And so here, here's what I wanna say is that people can make their own choices about their sexuality and gender. We can, love, we can still love them. We can love people, but love does not require agreement. Recently, I'm just, I wanna make, draw, just draw your attention to a few things that are in the headlines today, and these are just a few of the things. I could have made this a lot longer section of the service, but I think just a few examples will make the point. I recently read an article that was written from a positive perspective about a family who had decided to raise their two-year-old as transgender. If you read the headlines, drag queen story hours are becoming popular in pre-Ks and kindergartens. 
In a UK court, there was recently a determination that was made at the highest court that overturned a ruling at a lower court that made the decision that minors can undergo puberty-blocking hormone treatment without parental consent. And listen, I, I just want to make a statement, and that's this, that raising our children up into their identity and especially into the identity of their sexuality is a job for parents, not courts or school teachers. And the movement to deepen confusion by introducing this ideology, again, people can make their own decisions in their personal life, but I'm looking around and I'm seeing that this is beginning to be incorporated into places where especially children are being influenced by it. The movement to deepen confusion by introducing transgender ideology into elementary schools is not progress, it's child abuse. And listen, we, we can love people, we can love people, but we don't have to agree with them. And typically, here's what, we, here's what happens. Here's what, what begins to happen is we get what we tolerate. And people are not our enemy. You gotta hear me on that. You gotta hear me. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Our battle is not against people. There's a spirit that is introducing this into the culture of the day. So, so we, we need to understand that, that, that we can love people without agreement and we can express who Jesus was in our engagement with people. John 1 verse 14 says, the word became flesh, made his dwelling among us, speaking of Jesus. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, catch this, full of grace, say grace, and truth, say truth. We could be both at the same time. We can speak the truth in love. Ephesians chapter four, verse 14 through 15. We won't be tossed around and blown around by every wind of new teaching, not influenced when people try to trick us with lies that seem clever and sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. Somebody say, speak the truth in love. And it says, growing in every way more and more like Christ. You wanna be like Christ? Walk in the fullness of grace and truth. Grace and truth. Truth without grace is mean. Grace without truth is meaningless. And the culture of the day needs the grace and truth of Jesus Christ. So, heart, so part of the, the heart of this series really is preparing us, encouraging us, posturing us and positioning us to be prepared, to walk in greater levels of boldness, to speak the truth of Jesus Christ, that Jesus loves, he heals, he restores, he redeems. Where there's confusion, he can bring about healing into that place. And secondly, to, to uh, again, encourage us to recognize areas. It's kind of a play on words. Cancel culture as a noun is that movement to intimidate, minimize, or eliminate opposing voices or opinions in our culture. If you look at it as a verb, we cancel the influence of culture on our lives. We recognize that there are places inevitably where we can begin to drift and become more influenced by the culture around us than the kingdom within us. And Romans chapter 12, verse two has been a theme verse and it encourages us. It says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The message translation of the same verse says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. So I wanna pick up on something. I didn't intend to spend two weeks on this, but as I was praying and seeking the Lord throughout the week, I just felt like the Lord just kinda tapped the brakes for moving on to a different series and a different topic, and that was to spend a little bit more time encouraging us to cancel the culture of anxiety, fear, worry, and doubt in our lives. And according to, to World Health Organization, the greater pandemic as it regards the broadness of the influence and the reach of it is not some virus, but it is anxiety. According to the, to the most recent study, pushing 400 million people are crippled by clinical anxiety. 400 million people. And listen, I wanna encourage you that it's more, than, it's more important than ever 
to embrace what God has to say about this issue in our life. Because as we begin to look around the world, read those headlines, see the things that are happening in the earth today, there, there will be some legitimate reasons for us to potentially deal with worry and anxiety. But God's promise to you, God's heart for you, God's heart for, 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 for me is that we would have peace in the midst of the storm, light in the midst of the darkness, calm in the midst of the chaos. In Luke 21, Jesus is speaking of the evil that will even increase in the day and the hour that we are living in. He's speaking of wars and rumors of wars, famines and earthquakes. He's actually speaking of, he says, pestilences in many places, which is speaking of a pandemic and in such a way that they wouldn't even have been able to comprehend back in that day because there was no global travel. And so he's speaking of things that are going on in the day and hour that we live in. And he says this, I'm going to do something a couple different times today, I'm gonna to read a verse and then we're gonna back up and read the context of the verse. A few uh, verses earlier, we'll do it a couple times in the message. Here's, here's the first one. Verse 26 of Luke chapter 21, Jesus says, men will faint from terror and anxiety over what is coming on the earth. If you back up a few verses, verse 14, same chapter, same story. Jesus says this, red letter words, he says, make up your mind not to worry beforehand. Same chapter, verse 28, says when all these things begin to happen, stand up, somebody say stand up, and look up, say look up, for your salvation is near. So he's saying when things begin to happen in the world, that people will faint with fear and anxiety, but you in the same circumstances, you can take a stand, you can lift your eyes, you can understand and be encouraged that the signs of the times indicate that your salvation is drawing near. And so through this, this little mini series of messages within the broader series, my hope in my heart is that you can settle something for yourself, for your marriage, for your family, for your future, and that's this, that peace is the heart of the Lord for every believer. And Jesus said this, he said, my peace I leave with you, John 14, my peace I give you. He says, it's a gift, it's an inheritance. And he says, and what I give you is not as the world gives, which is fleeting and circumstantial. He says, I'm giving you a peace that's abiding. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled or afraid. Peace in the world is tied to how things go, but for believers, it's tied to who you know. For a believer, peace is not the absence of problems, it's the presence of a person whose name is Jesus Christ. And the heart of Jesus for you is to have peace in every situation at all times. 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 16 says this, may the Lord of peace give you his peace, somebody say his peace, at all times, say all times. And every situation, one more time, say every situation. In the midst of the storms, when you're going through the valley, when you're going through the fire, when the, when the floodwaters begin to rise, the Bible says he will prepare a table for you where even in the midst of your enemies. So peace is the heart of God. It's the inheritance. It's the gift for every believer. You need to settle that today. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of sound mind. And where there's fear, it's an indication of the presence and the work of the enemy in your life. Fear about your health, fear about your future, fear about your children, fear even about our culture. God has not given us a spirit of fear. His heart is that we walk in the inheritance of the believer in the free gift of his peace. That again is transcendent. It transcends circumstances and situations and storylines. It's not fleeting it's not circumstantial. Okay, so that brings us to Philippians chapter four. We read verse six last week, but we're gonna read some additional verses. We're gonna back up, read a verse or two before verse six. We're gonna read on beyond verse six. We're gonna see a little bit more about the context and the pathway to walk in the peace of God. You're familiar with verse six that says, do not be anxious about anything, 
but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. I wanna back up and I wanna read verse four and five and then continue and read verse seven through nine. So verse, if we back up to verse four, here's what it says. Again, the context of this passage And it's important sometimes that we kind of look at the verse and we're willing to back up and read a few things and read beyond. It kind of helps us to maybe encapsulate a little bit broader of what God is trying to speak to us and sometimes the pathway to walk in the promise that maybe exists in the one verse that typically gets pulled out and printed on refrigerator magnets. So so verse four says this. Again, the context is a life where we are anxious for nothing because we are presenting our cares, our fears, our doubts, our worries, our requests before God with thanksgiving, with praise, and with trust that he is who he says he is. He will do what he said he'll do in your life. But verse four, again, in that context is this, rejoice always. Somebody say rejoice always. And again, I will say rejoice. So I gotta make you say rejoice. Come on, say rejoice. Look at someone and say rejoice. Rejoice always. Again, I say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near. Understanding that the Lord is near to you is part of the context of walking in a life free of anxiety. And then we read it. Do not be anxious about anything, but every situation by prayer petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, verse eight, finally, brothers and sisters, he's speaking to you and me. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Last last verse, verse nine, again, in the context of a life that is soaring above fear and worry and anxiety. He says, whatever you have learned, received, or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And here's the promise, and the God of peace will be with you. So let's pray over the rest of the points that I have for you. I've got four points for you to draw out of this passage, and let's ask the Lord to really soften our hearts to receive what he wants to speak to us, remind us of, or reveal to us in a new or a deeper way. Father, we just thank you for your heart. We see it so clearly. Your heart in the midst of chaos, in the midst of calamity, in the midst of increasing uh, troubles, Lord, your heart is for us. Men and women of God, believers, Christ followers, disciples of Jesus Christ to live in perfect peace. Not the kind of peace that the world gives, but the kind of peace that comes from knowing who we are in you and knowing who you are to us, that you are with us and you are for us even as we walk in the midst of the storm. We receive it today, Lord, in the places where we are battling with fear, worry, doubt, or anxiety, Lord, because we know that that's the way that the enemy comes against us because he's always looking to kill, steal, or destroy. And there's nothing perhaps that steals from our joy like, like, like doubt, worry, and anxiety. We thank you, God, today in those places. I just know all across this room there's probably a situation or a circumstance where every one of us is at least coming against the voice of anxiety in that place. And we thank you, Lord, today that you would just bring hope and healing and strength, that you would bring comfort, Lord, that you would bring a shift, Lord, from fear to faith in that place today in Jesus' mighty name. And come on, all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Okay, number one, I wanna encourage you with four principles out of this passage, Philippians 4, 4 through 9, that I believe are important to walking in this life that soars above anxiety. Number one is think about what you're thinking about. Think about what you're thinking about. Proverbs 23, verse seven says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And I wanna encourage you that the war over anxiety and peace is fought and won or lost in the battle for your mind. I've heard it said this way, your life is moving 
towards the direction of your strongest thoughts. It's impossible to live a life of victory with a mindset of defeat. It's impossible to live a life of faith with a mind that's gripped by fear. It's impossible to walk in the fullness of God's abundance and his provision towards you, especially as we're dealing with all the, the, the inflation and the recession and, and the depression, all the talk of those things that might be coming in the future. It's impossible to walk in the fullness of God's abundance and provision if your mind is set on poverty and lack. It's impossible to enjoy a full relationship with Jesus Christ and with others that he's placed in your life with a mindset of insignificance, inferiority, and rejection. The battle for peace is won or lost on the battlefront of your mind. David in Psalm 139, he's talking about an evil day. He's talking about, if you go back and you read the chapter, he's talking about evil men, evil rulers, and he's kind of lamenting these things before God. But then you know what's interesting is in verse 23, he kind of begins to flip the script a little bit and he begins to say this. Watch what he says. He says, in the midst of all these things, he says, search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Why would he do it? I believe because he realized that the place where there were anxious thoughts was a place where he was drifting from his trust in God. Gotta start thinking about what you're thinking about. Some of you, all you, you need today to really begin to walk in new levels of peace and joy, soaring above fear, worry, and anxiety is a checkup from the neck up. The enemy is coming. He's introduced lies. He's introduced thoughts. And you're beginning to think about these things more than you are thinking about the will and the word of God for your life. Isaiah 26.3, just to underline it a little bit more, says you will keep in perfect peace. Somebody say perfect peace. Doesn't that sound like the kind of peace that you want to walk in? Well, how do we get it? Well, I'm glad you asked. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you and what? Whose thoughts are fixed on you. Joshua 1 verse eight says this, says, study this book of instruction continually, meditate on it day and night. You will be sure to obey everything written in it and only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Your Bible might say, only then will you have good success. So he says, Joshua says, meditate on the word of God. And you might say, well, Pastor T, that sounds kind of new agey. I don't know if I can do that. It's biblical. And here's what I want to encourage you with. You might say, I don't know how to meditate. Yes, you do. When you're up three hours at night worrying about the issue at work or the financial need or the kid who's drifted from God, you are meditating on something right then and there. And God says, you got to, be, you got to begin to think about what you're thinking about. Because when you allow that thought, that, 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 that anxiety about the future, which anxiety is always tied to fear of God's ability to show up and come through for you at some point in the future, whether that's 10 seconds from now or 10 years from now. And the devil comes and he begins to lie and he begins to tell you because your mom and your aunt passed away from that type of cancer, it's only a matter of time before you're gonna pass away from that type of cancer and many people have lost years of walking in the fullness of joy and peace and security because of a lie from the enemy, something that is yet to happen that will not happen if you will stand in faith on the promises of God for your life. Amen. Anxiety is the, is, the, is the cousin of faith. Fear is, is the counterfeit of faith. Faith is the expectation and the anticipation of God showing up in your health, showing up in your finances, leading your family back to restoration, leading that lost or wayward son back to the Lord. Anxiety and fear is an anticipatory, uh, you are anticipating a result that is short of God coming through in your life. And it's why God says, I want you to live in a, in a way where you can be anxious for nothing. So we got to think about what we're thinking about. And when you find yourself, when you find your mind spending more than just a passing moment, those thoughts are gonna come. Listen, you can't control, 
You can't control the, the thoughts like a bird that's flying through. You can't control all the thoughts that you're gonna have to experience. That's why the Bible says for us to take captive every thought to, to, to what? To the obedience of Christ Jesus. You can't control the thoughts that are gonna fly through your mind, but you have a determination about which ones you will allow to take up roost in your mind. You have a, you have a determination to say, I'm not gonna build the nest for that thought. I'm not gonna allow it to reside. The enemy's coming at me with those thoughts, but I am going to recognize that that thought, because it's tied to fear and I don't have a spirit of fear, that doesn't come from God, I'm gonna begin to do what God's word has to say and take that thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. All right, so number one, think about what you're thinking about. Number two, we, we have to defeat pride. You might say, well, Pastor T, uh, it isn't, isn't the opposite of pride humility, and I, would, I wanna encourage you, when it comes to dealing with anxiety and fear and worry in your life, the opposite of pride is not humility, but trust. But trust, that we have to, to be willing to defeat pride. We've gotta be willing to understand that sometimes where we're dealing with anxiety, it's because we're dealing with me, myself, and I. And I wanna do another thing, I'll do it a couple more times and that's read a verse and then back up and read the verse that's just comes just previous or subsequent to it. And First Peter 5 verse seven, we read this last week and this is the, the verse that we read from this chapter and it's this verse that is commonly known. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Come on, how many of you are grateful that God cares for you and he says, cast your cares and worries upon me. But if you back up one more verse, here's the verse that's just subsequent or previous. This is the context for how to cast our cares and our worries and our anxieties on him, knowing that he cares for us. Verse six says this, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that he might lift you up in due time. And did you know that in the Greek, this, this, this is one sentence. He, he's, he's associating humility with casting our anxiety upon the Lord. Here's what I think he's trying to tell us. He's trying to say in the place where you have anxiety, is it just possible? Is it worth just evaluating? Can you just take a moment and consider, is it possible you're dealing with anxiety because you are taking ownership and control of the outcome of that situation, circumstance, or challenge in your life? Is it possible because you're putting yourself in the position of God in that place, that, that challenge, that obstacle, or that opposition in your life? Is it possible that in that place you be to, to, to look to your own ideas, thoughts, preferences, or opinions over saying, God, I've really got a struggle, I've really got a challenge, but I am trusting you. I'm humbling myself and I am going to cause myself to come into obedience with your word and I'm releasing this. I'm taking my kung fu death grip off of the control of that situation and I am casting it before you because it's evidence that I am trusting you to handle this beyond me to handle this. I'm trusting that you can do a better job at being God and Lord over that challenge and that problem than I can do in that situation or that circumstance. I think this is just interesting. It's just interesting. And I understand the Bible wasn't written in English. But I just think it's interesting to consider. And I just think God is just so amazing, so big, so broad, so, so awesome that he could even use these kind of things. Would you just allow yourself to think about the word anxiety and what is the middle letter in the word anxiety? Some of you, are... it's I. What's the middle letter in the word pride? It's I. 
And I think there's some moments where we could maybe realize that the reason I'm dealing with anxiety in that area is I'm failing to trust that God is Lord over that area of my life. Yesterday we were um, gathered with, uh, we, we invited all the young men of the youth group and hopefully you were able to send your young teenage guy. And if you didn't, it's something we're committed to doing for the long haul. Because as we look around, I talked about some of those things that are being introduced into the culture of the day and even into the school system. We're not gonna just identify the problems, but we're gonna try to do our part to be part of the solution. That's why we started the Christian school here in the church, just to help increase the capacity for Christian education in our community, even maybe anticipating even the coming storm that's coming to our culture. It's why yesterday we gathered our, our, our pastors and we, we, we made ourselves available on our Saturday. We brought the youth guys up here and all day from eight o'clock in the morning till eight o'clock at night yesterday afternoon, we spent time with them with the idea of just leading them through an event that was focused on helping them grow as disciples and to helping them see and know that they have men in their life. Some of them have good godly dads already in their life, but there were a big number of the guys that were a part of that event yesterday who have no dad in their life. And we wanted them to know that there are some men of God who aren't perfect we're flawed and we've fallen but God has lifted us up by his grace and we want them to know that there's a there's a there's a, a, a an invitation for them to step into what God has to say about being a man because the world has one idea about what it looks like and what it takes and what you should be known for to be a man in our culture but God's word says some things that are different and it calls us to a higher place of living by faith and serving our families and being used of God to fulfill his purposes in our lives and that's what we're trying to impart to these young men and so as part of leading them through that discipleship day yesterday. We took them out to Clinton Lake and we took them on this hike and every few hundred yards we would stop and when we got to the lowest part of the hike we talked to them about God being with them in the valleys and when we got to the peak we talked about dealing with pride and understanding that many men have been taken out when they've allowed pride to get into their life and we talked to them we carried a cross all the while and we had to it was heavy and so we had to partner together we talked to them about the need for brotherhood in their life and the need to do life with other people who would come alongside them and help them to carry some things that might get too heavy be in their own life. And, and so we had an amazing day, but as part of that day, then we went over to Kansas City and we went to a place called Zip KC and we did this obstacle course. And as we're doing this obstacle course, one of the things that, that we did was this zip line that went from, from this kind of top of this hill across this, this pond, across this little lake to this other side where there was a, a tree and a pad and a, and, a, and a guy that was there to catch you if you, if you made it to the other side. <laughs> And I was standing back kind of watching all the young guys go, you know, just giving them their chance to go. And I was noticing something. I was noticing that, that anyone over about 160 pounds was not making it all the way across. They were kind of, the, the zip line had kind of got drawn loose. And so those guys were kind of starting to drag into the water about halfway through. And inevitably, anyone that was over about that weight, I, I was just kind of just kind of sizing guys up a little bit, you know, and just saying, all right. But here's what I knew real quickly is that I was above the line <laughs> I was above the line of, of what it took for you to end up in the middle of the pond swimming the rest of the way to the other side. And so I, I was just doing calculations and I was realizing, I, you know, I, 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 I came out of the, the pandemic shutdown, you know, with what they called the quarantine 15, you know, the 15 pounds that you gained through quarantine. I told you guys how that season of shutdown and pandemic and lockdown and everything went for you would largely be determined by who you turned, who or what you turned to and in many ways, I turned to God. In some ways, I turned to little Debbie and little Caesar, I gotta just admit. 
And so I started this year needing to lose my quarantine 15. I had a goal to lose 15 pounds. And I'm happy to report to you that I now only have 20 pounds to go. <laughs> and I, I mentioned Little Debbie and Little Caesar. I, who's with me to start a class action lawsuit to force them to rename Little Debbie or Little Caesar? Come on, I, that, is, that is fraudulent advertising right there. There's nothing little about her. It should be, they should rename it Large Marge and Heavy Harry's Pizza or something like that, you know, like. But I'm watching this and, I, and I'm, I'm recognizing, I don't think I can make it to the other side. I mean, if, unless I want to swim the other half. But it reminded me, though, of another time where uh, my wife and I went on a date when we were in um, Branson, Missouri. We love going to Branson. And we were there as a family, and I think we had some grandparents with us or something, so she and I slipped out, and we went on a date night. And when you have four kids, those are infrequent, few and far between, but you got to prioritize it, make, make, make it happen. Hey, well, baby, will you go out with me? Can we go out on a date soon? <laughs> and we were, we were out on a date, and we went to a zipline place, and... It was interesting, I was just reminded, again, we're talking about how sometimes we can realize that we're dealing with anxiety or worry when we begin to take ownership of our problems instead of casting or releasing them to the Lordship of Jesus. And, and I, we went on this, to the zipline place and it was, it was really high and it was really adventurous. I was like, wow, like, I, I get why they would have me sign that waiver release that says that I release them of any liability should I die because if, you, if that thing came unclicked, it would probably lead to death. And, and so I, I'm, I'm watching this and, I, and we're going about this thing and I, 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 I'm, I'm holding on to this thing for dear life and I'm, and I'm realizing, I'm, 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 man, I'm, I'm starting to get tired. I'm starting to get sore because I'm holding on so tightly to this thing. And I began to look around and I realized that there's some people who are enjoying it a lot more than I'm enjoying it. There's some people who are enjoying life a lot more maybe than I'm enjoying it. <laughs> And I started to just kind of just take note, like what, 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 what do they have to do differently? What do they have to do differently? And, and I mean, I'm telling you, there was some real reason maybe to be a little apprehensive about this process. There was even one place where there was a, they literally had live alligators in the pit underneath you. And there, there was a net or a cage over there. It looked like chicken wire to me. And once again, <laughs> I was doing some calculations and I was thinking, I'm not sure that what they think will support me would support me if I came off of this thing, you know? And the alligators looked grumpy like the way that you might feel if you had been exported from South Florida to Missouri. <laughs> and I'm not bashing Missouri, I'm just telling you. I'm just saying, I look like if, I, if you go in there, it's not gonna be a good date night. It's not, the, the date night is not ending the way that I hoped it would end. And, and, and I'm, I'm looking around and I'm seeing, but some people are just zipping and gliding and laughing and having fun. And I'm kind of like so apprehensive. And here's what I, here's what I realized is that they were leaning back and they were trusting what they were attached to and affixed to to get them to the other side. And I was so concerned with holding on and holding tightly to something, and, but I, I began to just watch and realize, I thought, man, when, the, when you really just lean back into that harness and allow it to just catapult you across, what, what right now is, is creating all this fear, worry, and anxiety and dread in my heart and in my mind actually be, began to become fun. And what is it in your life where you're going across some things, you're going through some things, there really are some pitfalls and some traps that maybe have been laid out before you, and you're not enjoying the life, you're not enjoying the journey because you are holding on tightly. Today, maybe would you begin to enjoy the process and the journey of life if you begin to let go and lean back? 
and begin to trust that God's got you? Begin to trust, I mean, when I began to just trust in this harness and this brace and this clasp and this clamp that were clamped on this thing, it began to create a whole different experience for me. If you could put your trust in a metal, in a, in a, in a nylon rope and a metal clevis, how much more can you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ who created you and loves you and saves you and has a purpose and a future for you that is good and filled with promise and not with harm? We gotta begin to let go and lean back. And trust God and trust him that he can get you, he can see you through. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Would you lean on him? Would you lean on him? Thirdly, I'll move a little bit more quickly here. Third point is live for today. In Matthew 6 verse 34, Jesus, red letter where it says, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Do you know Jesus said that? He said, each day has enough troubles. Today, your translation might say, today has enough troubles to go around. You say, well, Pastor T, you're, but you are, don't you also encourage us to have a vision for our life and our marriage and our family and our future and this church? Yes, I do, but here's the, here's the secret. The pathway to that vision, you ought to have a vision, dreams, goals, something that you're living for. The Bible says if you don't, you'll begin to live carelessly and cast off restraint. You ought to have a vision of a house filled with great grandkids that causes you to live a little bit differently than you might otherwise. You ought to have a vision for, for, for being free of debt and having uh, some prosperity so that you could be uh, generous to the kingdom and you can live and, and provide for your family and for your future family. You ought to have some goals and some vision for those kind of things, but here's the secret. The pathway to your life vision is always paved with daily decision. You get there one day, one decision, one determination at a time. And the enemy comes in and he tries to get you fearful about next week and next year and the next decade and what will the stock market look like then or what will, how will things look then or after the next election, what's it really gonna look like? And I'm just telling you that we ought to be concerned about the way things look in our future, but the pathway to getting there is faithfulness with today. And understanding, again, the pathway to your life vision, it's, it's, it's paved by daily decisions. Every day saying, I'm gonna trust God today. This moment, this hour, I trust him. It's all, and, and you know, here's the thing is, it's all you can really control. And I appreciate that the Bible says that the word of God is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. And you might see that all as one big kind of conglomeration or one big concept, but I wanna encourage you that it's actually two things. He's saying, my word will light right where you stand and my light will show you, my word will show you where to go. And today, just say, Lord, would you just help me to just take, what, what's my next step? What's the step that I take today? How do I put my trust in you today? How do I pray today over what's coming tomorrow? How do, how do I, I anchor myself? How do I tie myself to trusting you that you are going to see me through today? Number four, I wanna encourage you, make joy your goal. Make joy the goal. And here's what I wanna encourage you with is that Jesus didn't just come to get our balance to a net zero. He came to give us an abundance. He came to give us more than we need. He came to do exceedingly, abundantly more than we could even ask, think, or imagine. So don't settle for the status quo in, the, in our culture. And, and make joy the goal of your prayer times. Make joy the goal of living out your life. God doesn't wanna just take you from a place where you're just, where you're really anxious to a place where you're just less anxious. He, he wants to take you to a place where you're walking in the fullness of his joy in that day, that hour, that moment in your life. We, 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 we tend to get what we go for. 
And if, and if the idea, if the concept of this series is just kind of a little bit less anxiety, I'm telling you, that's probably what you'll get. I want to encourage you today that the heart of the God, of the Lord, the encouragement of God to you today is go for joy. He desires for you to live and walk in joy. John 15, verse 11, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that you may be filled with my joy. Yes, that your joy would overflow. That's verse 11. Once again, back up and read a verse, a couple of verses before. He says, again, he says, I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy, that your joy would overflow. So what has he told you? Verse nine, I have loved you even as the Father has loved you. Psalmist said this. He said, restore. Psalm 51. He said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Restore to me, which, which means you can have it and lose it. But you can also have lost it and it be restored. And today, I really believe it's the last point by design because I really believe it's one of the most important things God wants to do today in some of our hearts, some of our lives, some of our minds is restore the joy of your salvation. To, to, to restore the joy of your salvation, to, to understand that joy is different than happiness. Again, Jesus said, I'm gonna give you something that is different than what the world is gonna give you. And happiness the world says that you're gonna be happy if you can gain this or garner this or be seen as this. God says you can have joy even when you don't have all those things, even on your bad days, your dark days, your difficult moments, you can still have joy if you'll remember that I have loved you even as the Father has loved you and that's why I sent Jesus to come and make a way that you could be forgiven and healed and restored and reconciled back to a relationship with your heavenly Father that transcends religion. That's what the psalmist was saying when he said, restore that joy to me. I can't control all this, but what I can know is that even in the midst of all this, I am still saved, loved, forgiven, made whole, made new in the eyes of my Father through the perfect work of the cross of Christ. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Stand to your feet and let's just ask the Lord to restore our joy. Let's just ask the Lord to help us, to heal us, to set us free of any place where anxiety or worry has taken a grip on your life, to give us the, the, the faith to humble ourselves where maybe we've been holding on to that problem and we haven't been willing to release it or cast it before God because maybe we would realize today that maybe because something didn't go the way we thought it would go, that maybe we don't really trust that God can really come through. And so what, what is that? I just touched on a few of those things. What, what is God speaking to you today? And what's your part in being faithful to begin to walk it out? to recognize, to take responsibility, to say, Lord, you've spoken that to me because you want, me to, you want to set me free in that place. You want to deepen, Lord, my ability to trust in you, to lean back into you, to trust you, to see me through to the other side of life. And right now, would you just ask God, just say, what, Lord, what are you speaking to me? What are you speaking to me? Search me, know my heart, test my anxious thoughts. Almost inevitably, every place where there's an anxious thought, it's a place where God's inviting you and calling you to cast that thing to him. Every care, every worry, every anxiety. Why? Because he cares. He cares for you. 
And so, Lord, we just thank you. Just stay in that, that posture of just hearing from God and receiving from God. If there's something specific that the Lord is highlighting to you, a care that you want to cast before him, that you want to be willing to let go of today and to just renew yourself and, and trust of his goodness in that area of your life, maybe you want to just lift your hands before the Lord in a posture of just presenting that thing. And in the same posture, we do it often. We're receiving, we're receiving grace, we're receiving forgiveness, we're receiving the mercies of God. We're receiving the, 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 a new and fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit today because joy is a, is a fruit. Joy is the evidence, the outward sign of the inward work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it's a, a fruit is a result. It, it's a result of the presence of something or someone. And so today, maybe you just need to say, man, I, I've just been kind of on cruise control and, and maybe I've been kind of burning the candle at both ends and I'm, I'm, I'm maybe just a little bit dry or weary spiritually. Right now, would you just ask the Lord to fill you fresh and new with the Holy Spirit today? That you wouldn't have to begin to, to, to continue to try to manufacture the joy and the peace and the love in your life, but it would begin to just um, begin to be part of the overflow of just a fresh touch, a fresh impartation, a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit today. That's his heart for you. The Bible says if a father knows how to give good gifts, how much more? You receive it by faith, but how much more does he want to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit? Just receive it today. And I thank you, Lord, for just this one more moment as we just linger in your presence. Like you're just washing over people, we're just filling them, refreshing them, God, touching them, God, showing them, God, the places where you desire, Lord, to lead them through, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And just stay in the atmosphere of receiving. I want to give people the opportunity before we worship one more time and get you about your day. Give people the opportunity to say yes to Jesus to come home to their heavenly father. Maybe you, you once knew God, you grew up in the church, but you've just drifted or gotten busy or maybe you've made some bad choices and you're what the Bible would describe as a prodigal son or daughter. You remember that parable that Jesus told about the son who said, Father, give, you, give me what's mine and I'll go and I'll do it my own way and I'll do it in my own terms and in my own strength. And the father released it to him and he knew what was gonna happen, that one day he would wake up and he would be out of funds and out of friends. And he would, he would hit rock bottom and he, he, would, he would know in that moment, man, what am I doing? What am I doing? And I, I'm gonna return to my father. You remember what he did? He returned to his father's house and he said, father, I'm back, but would you just make me just a slave in your house, just a servant? I'd be willing to just be one of the hired hands in your house now. And remember what the father did? He said, oh no. He said, I've been waiting for you to come home. I'm not gonna hold you at arm's length. I'm not gonna judge you for the bad decisions or choices you've made. He said, we can work on some things. We can, we can kind of get some things healed and get some things back on track. But for now, my heart is just filled with excitement and enthusiasm and passion for the fact that my child has come back home. And if that's you today, you drifted from God, you ran from him, you fled from him. Today, that's the heart of the father. He's saying, would you just come home to me? Would you let me just open my arms and welcome you back into a relationship that transcends religion? And so if that's you, or maybe you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, today's your moment. Right now, if that's you, either you're in either camp or anywhere in between, right now, this is your moment. Would you lift your hand high towards heaven? and say, that's me, I need to come home to my Father. That's me, I need to be forgiven. I need to be made whole, made new. I need to feel the weight of my sin and guilt and shame removed off of me in a way that I can never do in my own strength. 
If you're online, I want to encourage you, maybe take a moment, just lift your hand, because you might not even be with the person, but you're not responding to a, a preacher or another person. You're responding to your Heavenly Father. He sees this outward sign. This is just a simple gesture of a profound work that God's doing in people's hearts right now. And if you raise your hand, you can lower it, and here's what we do. If you're part of this church family, you know what's coming. We pray this prayer with everyone who responds. We wanna just quickly come alongside them and let them know there's a church family that wants to stand with them and help them, encourage them, bless them. But we do it for a second reason, and it just reminds us we never graduate from grace. So come on, uh, pray this prayer. Some amazing people said yes to Jesus today. Trust that there were more online. And let's, let's pray this with just fresh, fresh passion, fresh perspective. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I recognize my need for a savior. And I thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price that I could never pay to make a way that I might have a new life and a fresh start. And I give you my life. I give you my trust. And because of Jesus, come on, say it loudly. I will never be the same. I will never be the same. And then rejoice with all of heaven. Come on, even when one person comes home to Christ, all of heaven is rejoicing. Hey, let's worship the Lord one more time together. Then we'll come and dismiss you, get you about your day.